welcome to Swarthmore Presbyterian Church's podcast. This is your host, Alex Evangelista. We are delighted you are here. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and share our podcast. You are now listening to a sermon recorded for November 14, 2021, titled, As If It Were For The Last Time, by Reverend Joyce Shin. Good morning. Would you please pray with me? Startle us, almighty God. Wow us with your word. Even for a moment, captivate us in awe of your will for the world and your purpose for our lives. In Christ's name we pray, amen. One of the downsides of being a pastor is that I rarely have an opportunity to worship at different churches. Only when I'm on vacation, really, do I get a chance to take part in another congregation's worship service. While I was serving a church in downtown Chicago, there was a church on the south side of Chicago whose worship service I had for a long time wanted to attend, Trinity United Church of Christ. So one Sunday during vacation, Michael, Sophia, and I attended Trinity. At first, I felt kind of like an anthropologist engaging in participant observation, not because that was my intention, but rather because the style of worship was so much more charismatic than the style to which I was accustomed. Before long, however, the cadences of song and speaking engaged even me a lifelong Presbyterian in full-bodied worship. I went that morning to Trinity UCC because over the years, I had heard about worship there, its strong Pentecostal proclivities, and I wanted to experience it. I came across an article in the Christian Century magazine in which the pastor of Trinity, Otis Moss III, told a story that I'd like to share with you. He wrote, as a pastor, I am privileged to witness people engaging in the act of worship. One morning, an elder in our congregation was worshiping with reckless abandon. It was as if she was possessed and made drunk by a multitude of joyous and reverent angels. Her body became an instrument for a composition that the rest of us could only faintly hear. She took hold of every song and prayer as if each word held the secret of life and was the key to entering the holy of holies. She shouted, she cried, and talked back to the preacher with an urgency rarely seen in our congregation. Even with our strong Pentecostal proclivities and our tradition of call and response, there was something different about the nature and flavor of her worship. I was blessed to have an opportunity to speak with this elder later. What she said delighted and stunned me. I grab hold of worship so hard because it may be my last time. I too felt stunned by what she said. What if we always worshiped, sang, prayed, read, hugged, 
laughed and meditated as if it were the last time? What if we always gathered as if it were the last time? Last Sunday, the congregation moved worship from outdoors back to here in the sanctuary. And it was the first time since the beginning of March of 2020 that many of us have worshiped together. None of us knew on Sunday, March 8, 2020, that it would be the last time that we would be worshiping all together as we always had before the pandemic. The pandemic woke us up to the recognition that there would be, at least for an unforeseen amount of time, a lot of last times. The last time we could cross a border, the last time we would fly on an airplane, the last time we would be with all our classmates, the last time we could be with our loved ones. Most painful of all was the inability for us to have last times with our loved ones who came to the end of their lives alone in hospitals and other care facilities. In all these cases, the pandemic marked a stark separation between our lives before and our lives after the pandemic. Among the many things that the pandemic woke us up to was a realization of all that we had taken for granted. And if we go a step further to what that could imply for our lives, an exhortation to live each day as if it were the last. This is not just a powerful thought experiment. People who have brushed up against mortality know that this makes a difference in how they live. But the fact of our mortality, as existentially stunning as that is, is not quite the same thing as what we faced at times during this pandemic. This pandemic forced us not just individually, but collectively to experience many last times. The pandemic woke us up to the possibility that there could be an end, not just to our individual lives and what each wants to do, but also to our collective life what we can be and do together. Every year in the last weeks leading up to Advent, which begins in just two weeks from today, the church reads those texts in scripture that are intended to prepare God's people for the end time. Although none of the authors of the books in the New Testament claimed to know when the last day would take place, they were gripped by an imagination of an end, not just the fact that each person will at some time or another die, but of our collective end. The lectionary text we heard this morning is one of those biblical texts that speaks about the collective last day and the difference that it makes in how we live together. The author of Hebrews preached to a congregation who was accustomed to worship that revolved around the endless sacrifices that priests performed. The people fully understood the priestly protocol whereby priests offered sacrifices 
day after day, again and again, for the sins of the people. This protocol used to be the event around which the people gathered in the temple. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, however, made this priestly protocol obsolete. And this was the author's point. On the cross, Jesus accomplished a once-for-all-time sacrifice for our sin. Therefore, the author's message was, don't live as though Christ's sacrifice were not enough. The sacrifice undertaken by Jesus has enabled us to be forgiven and to forgive others. There was, therefore, no longer any need for priests to offer sacrifices ever again. Without the sacrificial system in place, for what reason, then, should the people of God gather? The author was writing to a people who were no longer sure for what purpose they needed to worship together. The Westminster Shorter Catechism begins with the first question, what is the chief end of man? The answer is, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Our chief end, the most important and end purpose of our lives, the thing for which we were created, it says, is to glorify, to worship God. Despite the pandemic, we kept worshiping. Virtual worship enabled us to worship at home, really anywhere and anytime. It just couldn't enable us to worship together. As more and more people, including children, receive the vaccine, congregations can increasingly begin to worship together. With the option of worshiping online, however, the question inevitably comes to the fore, for what purpose shall we gather every week on the Lord's Day? In thinking about this, I've been reading a book called The Art of Gathering, How We Meet and Why It Matters. While this book is not about gathering for worship specifically, it does offer some pertinent insights. The author Priya Parker defines a gathering as the conscious bringing together of a people for a reason. In her introduction to the book, she writes about the importance of gatherings in shaping the way we think, the way we feel, and make sense of the world. It is not surprising then that she points out that in democracies, the freedom to assemble is one of the foundational rights granted to an individual. In countries descending into authoritarianism, one of the first things to go is the right to assemble. Why? Because of what can happen when people come together, exchange information, inspire one another, test out new ways of being together. When I was beginning college, my parents had a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to visit my father's family in North Korea. After 40 years of separation due to the communist country's closure to the rest of the world, my parents took with them 
a photo album containing photos of important people like my sister and me, and of important occasions like my parents' wedding day at a church in Minnesota. When I asked my mom, did my relatives take an interest in these photos? Did they ask about us and what our lives were like? My mom said that our relatives living in North Korea certainly knew better than to ask a lot of questions. Their interest was evident, however, in the fact that the photo album made its rounds again and again, with the photos being touched so many times that their glossy finish had already begun to turn into matte. After seeing the photo of my parents married inside a church, however, the husband of my father's sister came to them quietly to tell them that he was still a Christian, that he in his heart still worshiped God. Not a soul knew, not even his children, how momentous would it be that if that uncle of mine and all the other closeted Christians in communist North Korea could gather to worship their Lord, to glorify God in song and praise? How edifying would it be to worship their God not alone in secret, but with others in the body of Christ? It is unlikely that my uncle will ever worship with other people in his remaining time on earth. Just to know, however, that there were other Christians worshiping God together was edification for him. Just to know that somewhere in the world, the body of Christ was meeting together, and as the author writing to the Hebrews says, was holding fast to the confession of hope together, was encouraging one another and provoking one another to love and good deeds, must have been edifying. Priya Parker writes that the best gatherings transport us to a temporary alternative world. They do this by virtue of the rules they set. Rules about what we, what we are to do can create the transient world that is different from our everyday, ordinary lives. In writing to the Hebrews who wonder why they should gather when there is no longer any need for priests to offer sacrifices for their sins, the author gives these exhortations, these rules, about what they should do when they meet together. Encourage one another. Confess your hope together. Provoke one another to love and good deeds. He is confident that if they follow these rules when they gather, they will be transformed into an alternative world, the new creation for which Christ died. And he tells them to do these things all the more as they see the day approaching. What if we always worshiped, sang, prayed, hugged, laughed, and meditated as if it were the last time? What if we always gathered as if it were the last time?
Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this sermon. Recorded for August 14, 2021. Titled, As If It Were For The Last Time. By Reverend Joe. We'll see you soon. May the peace of Christ be with you.